Hey guys, if you can think about how you found this podcast, maybe it's on Instagram or TikTok, maybe someone shared it with you. I don't run ads for the show or have sponsorships, so the only way this grows is through word of mouth. If this was valuable for you in any way, my only ask is if you could share this with someone who you think would help their investing journey or business. Thanks a lot, and let's get to the episode. Welcome to STR Like the Best. I'm your host, Michael Chang. It's my great pleasure to welcome my friend, Cody Wood. Cody is a recovering engineer based in Houston, Texas. He is a partner in a short-term rental management company with over 60 units and also owns a short-term rental himself. Cody, welcome to the show. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you coming on. We met in Nashville. You were on stage and thank you for letting me sneak into the VIP area where we sat and chatted for a little bit. I really enjoyed our conversation. Our mutual friend, Rob, was the one that connected us and really, again, really enjoyed our conversation and want to hit on a bunch of different topics on operations, right sizing, just a lot of cool stuff that you're doing. But before we start, I just kind of opening question. What You have 60 short-term rentals in Texas, so this should be easy. What's like a crazy short-term rental story that you have that you can share in 45 seconds? Yeah, so we just actually had this happen this week. It's amazing how that works, right? I have so many stories I can pull from. Yeah, so we actually, we had a guest at one of our properties earlier this week. They actually called EMS services and we were like, what is going on? So I got in the next day and I'm trying to follow up with the team and come to find out our stationary grill that's outside by the pool had a gas pipe leakage. And so they called EMS before reaching out to us. And so quite literally, we had to vacate the booking, get them out of there. The fire department shut off the gas. And then these guys actually took the polar bear plunge that morning and took cold showers because there was no hot water. So kudos to them. But we leaned into it and we had fun with it. And so quite literally, we're dealing with it right now. We're getting it resolved and getting a plumber out there and getting the city to recertify the property to book again. And so hopefully we'll have all that resolved today or tomorrow. But yeah, that was one of those ones where it's, oh man, this sucks. But at the same time, we had processes in place that we were able to handle it. Yeah, I know. I jumped on a grenade and that's great. You're going to be able to turn this around in 24 hours. So kudos to you and your ops team. And that's one of the, that's the main topic today is operations. You run a large portfolio 60, which is, we do about 30. And I know it's not like a one plus one equals two. Like the complexity really is exponential, a lot not linear. But tell us a little bit about your history in short-term rentals. I know you owned one and then you and Rob got together on the existing business. Like just give us a history of yeah. what you've been doing the last 18 months. Yeah. So when I bought my house, basically, I was just basically like, how do I turn this from a liability to an asset? So that was my very first thing. Like my mind was already there. And in the back of my mind, Rob was pressuring me like, Hey Cody, when are you going to do this? When are you going to do this? So finally we did it. I quite literally made my furniture for the room, like out of pallets. So you can do this as cheap and as you want. And I just threw on a nice bed on top of the pallets and it worked. The other side of this was basically when me and Rob started talking, I started realizing all the complexity that was taking place with my own property. So I quite literally, when I jumped in with Rob, it was like, okay, so you have all these properties. He had 75 at the time with only hospitable, really. That was his only tech. And which is, if you understand what hospital is, it's just a messaging platform at that time, a couple of years ago. They didn't have all the nice features. It was still smart B&B before that happened. And it was just, it was chaotic. So when I stepped in, my first thing was, okay, let's start putting in some systems and some technology to manage our housekeeping teams. Let's put in some work order processes. And so when we started doing all this, we quickly put in these processes. Within eight months, we had jumped over to 150 properties. It was good and bad. 
we didn't have the team infrastructure. We didn't have every system built out like we should have. And that's that whole with growth comes pain and you learn a lot of good things. We started operating with the Pareto principle, 80-20 rule. So 20% of your properties is where 80% of your revenue comes in. So we quickly started excluding some properties and hey, that's really not worth our time anymore. And what's nice is at 60 properties, we're still making the same revenue we were making at well over 150 properties. So, so let's, let's pause it for a moment. So you're telling me that you were managing 150, pro 150 plus properties yep. and you're doing X dollars revenue, let's just say $10 million. I don't know. I'm just going to drop a number there. And now you're just managing 65 and you get the exact same revenue number? Yeah. That's amazing. Because quite literally, you take the focus off your problem properties where they're eating up a lot of your time because you'll spend the 20% of the properties where we were making all of our money, we weren't focusing on. And then the other 80% of the properties that were not really generating the revenue, we were focusing a ton of our energy and time on. And as soon as those got removed from the portfolio, and we started looking at those 20 properties and we started a 20 percentage anyways, we started really pushing those properties and the revenue just exploded from there. Sorry, go ahead. No. And so quite literally, that's just, it's the 80-20 rule every time. No, and sometimes it's, the, it's like 20% of the properties or 80% of the problems I've noticed too. Yeah. That's fantastic. Let's talk about it. So what were some of the, and I don't want you to reveal your secrets, what were some low hanging fruit out there in, the, in that 20%? Right. Cause that's a really meaningful number, right? That like you're able to, and obviously different sizes of houses do different revenues and whatnot, but to lop off, gosh, like 85 houses and apartments to get to the same number. It's amazing. So yeah, maybe pick two things. What are two things, two easy things that you did or two things that you did that really helped boost revenue? Yeah. So probably the biggest thing was standardizing the cleaning cost. You don't realize that when you're dealing with 1099 employees, that when a lot of these cleaning companies are trying to dictate prices to you, that really needs to be in reverse when you have a bigger portfolio. And so one of the things we quickly realized was like in our city of Dallas, we had seven or eight properties there and we were paying almost $5,000 a week for cleaning, uh, which is just outrageous. We're talking almost $500 per property for a five bedroom. Just, it just wasn't going to work long-term. 500 so, bucks per turn you're paying. Yeah, it was outrageous. And so quite wow. literally, I cut that cost down to where we were actually, I think I looked at it after about a couple of months of me doing this, we were down to $700 a week, which was just like the numbers had completely flipped. And people were like, wow, how did you do that? I started doing my pricing based off bedrooms. And then when a cleaner comes to me and says, I base my pricing off square footage, I say, that's not going to work because actually what you're doing as a cleaner, you're actually hurting yourself because if I, I have a say three bedroom, that's 900 square feet, but I have a four bedroom or a two bedroom that's say 1500, you know, you're really setting yourself up for some failure there because now, you know, I might be paying less on a three bedroom and it's le it's more work and the two bedroom that's less work, I'm paying a little bit more, but you're having to spend so much more time. Right. And so losing money in the square footage game. And that's where I started playing with the housekeeping teams and putting some standards in there to where it protected me and it protected them. Yeah. That's a pretty, that's really material to go from 5k to 700 bucks. That is almost a 90% drop of in, in, in cleaning costs. So kudos to you. Were you able to keep, were you able to keep, like, did some of them leave because they're like, like I just can't stomach this. And, did, and if yeah, you did, yeah. were you able to find new cleaners that... We're able to still maintain your level of standard. 
Yeah. So here's what's crazy. So I've, I have now paid the highest prices. I've paid the lowest prices. And I will tell you, you cannot use a dollar amount to quantify quality. You have to dictate the quality that you want to the cleaner. And that's where we really decided that, wow, we were paying $500 and we had really bad quality. But then when we switched to a more effective pricing model with our yeah. housekeeping teams, now we were able to maintain the quality and work with the teams. And these teams were also had bigger personnel groups. So 10 plus employees, they were much easier to work with and do the turnovers and help us succeed versus it being this like constant drag of revenue for both our clients and ourselves. I'm curious about something actually, that makes total sense. So property management, right? You're charging a fee to your clients based off of revenue, I presume, right? Some generally the rate industry is like 10, 20% depending on where you fall. The cleaning cost generally is a pass-through, right? I, I would think from, is it, is, is it a pass-through? How do you, again, I'm just kind of curious. Do you, do the owners just, they pay the pass, they get the pass, or you get the pass-through, but you earn a margin on that, on that cleaning fee. And obviously, if you're paying five grand versus 700 bucks, that's a lot, that's all drop-down margin to you. Is that, am I thinking about it? Yeah. So I don't see it as much of a pass-through as I used to, because I'm looking okay. at this more as a property expense now. Okay. And so by me reigning in that expense, now I'm giving the property an opportunity to, to A, be more competitive in the marketplace because I can drop my cleaning fee where say that you and I are in the same market, Michael, and yep. you're having to pay that $500, but I'm only having to pay say $130. Yeah. Who's, who is the guest going to choose when it comes to the cleaning fees? They're going to choose me because it's less. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that I'm giving up my quality. What it means is I've strategically worked with my housekeeping teams to let them know, hey, it might be a lower rate, but because we're more competitive now, we're going to have more turnovers. We're going to have more bookings. Yep. So now you've helped me be more competitive at the marketplace. And that's a great point because that's the one thing like, I think people don't get, and I've asked the cleaners this. They act, they really, I think first off, obviously the pay is important, but what they also right. value is the stability. They want to work with people that have a consistent flow of bookings yep. so they can plan out their day. They can plan out their business. They can resource it effectively. And so it's really hard if you have a property that either way, like one that just takes three week long bookings all the time, like they don't yep. have the work or you are, that you're just not booked or you're just booked over the weekends and they can't, they can't fill in the weekdays with work. And they, they'll find someone, and if they're high quality, they'll find someone else. And then you may lose mind share or just lose that cleaner completely. So we dealt yep. with that. We'll get back to cleaning for sure. But what, maybe, maybe what's another thing that you did to help right size the revenue as you took off the Yeah, the I quit having my cleaners do all maintenance. So I know it still has a piece of cleaning there, but what I did was I separated maintenance completely from my cleaners. And what I mean by that is I don't ask my cleaners to do air filters. I don't ask my cleaners to do batteries. I don't ask my cleaners to go through the property and check light bulbs. Now I ask them to tell me about it, but by doing that, they can focus on what they do best, clean. Where And then I actually implemented a monthly maintenance program with handymen in different markets. And when I send my handymen in there, I give them my task list of all the things I need. And it is so much faster, so much more effective because now I've also controlled my maintenance costs because now I'm doing it monthly versus a guest tells me in the middle of their stay, hey, this remote's not working. Hey, this light's out. 
And now that I just do it monthly, changing out batteries, changing out light bulbs, it's a lot less of a stressor. And then I'm not paying Instacart or calling up a handyman to go grab a light yeah. bulb out of storage and run over to the property. It just, it solves a lot of that headache and that last minute jerk reactions. That's great. We have a, that's, that, we have something similar. I, we, and to be fair, we ask our cleaners to do all the things that you've said. Maybe a better way to do it is what you're proposing. I'll have to get the list from you. Our issue is, I mean, you need some failures. They just turn so often. So finding a day that they can hit four or five, I think that was why they, we stopped. We, it didn't make sense because we had to pay a cleaner. To, we had to pay like a handyman to go. It's like maybe like a hundred bucks to go. And yeah. for them, it's like they can hit three property, one apartment or five apartments in an hour, whatever it is, that's a hundred bucks. Yeah. But since they all turn on different days, it was hard to coordinate that. Did you find a way to solve that at all? Is there a solution to that? I'm curious. Yeah. So I strategically start planning a couple of days before the month start. So basically okay. I try to plan for that one day off or when the turnover is going to be happening. I try to plan to have that, the handyman inside the turnover. Two reasons. If the handyman makes a mess, my cleaner's there to clean it. Yeah. Good point. And so then I'm not having to send housekeeping back to clean it. Or if I can get him there prior to my housekeeping getting there, it actually helps me out in the long run. So yeah. that way he knows he's on a time limit. Hey, you've got this amount of time, get this all done. And at the same time with housekeeping coming in right behind him to do the turnover anyways, there's no issue. And then at yeah. the same time, he's able to look through the property, see if there's any damage. And so he can also give me a forewarning, Hey, this table got damaged. And now I can immediately call the guest like, Hey, are you okay? We noticed the table is damaged. What happened? Are you okay? Do you, are you, did you need medical help or anything and just not tell us? But it's amazing how doing those little things and putting that into your process, it really cuts your costs. It really strategically gives your handyman to where they feel like they have consistent work and your housekeeping team is not stressing about, oh, I need to go get light bulbs. Oh, I need to go get batteries. It, it just simplifies that process a lot. You give me a great idea. It, uh, this is awesome. You're like the ops guru. That's what I'm going to title this podcast. But they should have the GE black belt. Like, we should, there should be like a training program for short term rental operators. And like, you're the inaugural black belt in the, on, on the ops side. Lean methodology 101. Yeah. And it's from your engineering background. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, look, to be fair, short term rentals is, it is, it really is, there's so much process in, yeah getting it to work right really is applying lean to it really actually makes a ton of sense. Very Kanzai, I, I, the, that principle, just constant improvement, just keep like making it better. Yep. People don't really understand. People don't really get the new people in the industry don't really get how ops heavy this is and how important it is to longevity. That's something we really stress and push. Okay. So we've talked about on how you were to boost revenue. Let's talk about cleaning, right? Cause that's something that I know you spend a lot of time on. So tell us what you've done on that. Yeah. So the first thing we started with, and so I'll even tell you the software we use, it's called Easy Care. Most people in the industry I know promote Breezeway. Easy Care is the direct competitor, in my opinion, to Breezeway. Easy Care, just I'm going to throw that out there, is that they feel like the 1995 version of Breezeway, where Breezeway's okay. user interface is a lot nicer. But the thing with Easy Care that we really was the fact that there is so much customization to where now we're actually going into our storage unit and they have a way for you to take your phone and scan your inventory. And as you're putting it into the property, you're able to allocate that, which is awesome. And I know Breezeway has something similar. And so not knocking Breezeway by any means. I think Breezeway, we actually use both softwares, by the way. 
most people would be shocked by, but certain owners, certain solutions, it makes sense. But yeah, so this is where I would tell you that was the very first piece of tech that I implemented, which really helped my cleaners because it gave me a checklist that I created and then also getting photo documentation yep. because that's where I really saw the changes start happening. When a guest started complaining, I would immediately go back to the report or when a client would call me, have an issue, that photo documentation and my checklist, yep. it changed the game because now I was being educated instead of me having to run and check every single property, which is just not efficient, honestly. Yes, you can hire QC people and you should. They should have that part of your process, but it shouldn't be you as the PM. If it's you as the PM, then you're not doing the other things that need to be done that is much more effective and useful yep. in your time. And that's where I saw the real changes really start to implement by just doing these small steps. It really started changing the game for us two years ago. Yeah, no, I, I super agree with how I've had a super agree button. I'd be pressing right now. And the credit to Liz, who implemented that when our, actually from day one, and I think it's been a huge help. It's our cleaners take a video of every single cleaning. Yep. So we have that and it's saved so that if there's any problems, yeah, obviously we don't have, we do arbitrage and we don't have any of that. We don't have the kind of client side, the client host side, but owner side, excuse me. But when your guest is, when your guest says, Hey, this is not right. We just like, Hey, this is the video. And it also works for Airbnb when a guest, cause now there's a thing where guests, they know that they can play and they can try to get a discount. And then, so this really heads that off. What type of training do you do for your cleaners? So we do an actual two weeks training now, but so we have two different versions. So we have our 1099 training where my actual VA team is actually interviewing and hiring subcontracting cleaners. Now I'm actually not even involved in the process anymore, Beautiful. which most people are shocked. And they're like, how do I get that process from you? And they actually can interview them, score them from a scorecard and know if they're going to work well with our team. The other side of it is we have a two week training program for our internal cleaners where we actually have a, a train the trainer program. So it's on-site job training and video recording. So we're actually using a double kind of sword there where you have someone teaching them, but at the same time, they're also teaching themselves and making sure they understand the content. Because again, this is a lot of stuff for a short-term rental cleaner. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing that we learned was there's three types of cleaners. There's the industrial cleaner who cleans offices, gyms, things like that. They're fast. They like it look nice, but it's not clean. You have the housekeeper. They take longer, they're more detailed, and they're very specific to properties. But then the vacation short-term rental cleaner has to be fast, has to be very detailed, and has to be able to restage and notify us when inventory or maintenance items are occurring. So there's a lot more on that vacation rental cleaner that you really have to teach them to think differently than the normal housekeeper. And you can do all that in two weeks? Yeah. So we actually ran three people through our program and our fourth person just recently went through the program and actually exceeded all of our metrics because we've been evolving the program over the last several months. And actually they actually got it within a week and actually blew our clients away. Fantastic. So let's talk about your setup. That's all, This is great. I think this is a part that people don't cover as often. So I'm glad to really dig in on this. You know, it's you and Rob as the PMs. Like just how does, how many VAs do you have? Any cleaners do you have? Sure. How does that look? So we generally, when it comes to cleaners, I'll start there because we've been talking a lot about that. Generally, yeah. I like to have two to three deep per property as subcontractors. Okay. Uh, just because if something happens, say a cleaner's not available, I want to be able to go through my list. 
And at the same time, if I'm QC in a property, I oftentimes use another cleaner to QC it if it's another company. Just because, again, it's funny that cleaners will catch things that other cleaners miss because they're yeah. trying to jockey to get that property. <laughs> the other side of this is basically in Dallas, we probably have right now, we have two or three different subcontracted companies. Houston, we have currently three uh, W-2 employees and three to four different subcontracting companies in Houston. So how yeah. do you decide between W-2 and 10? Why are some W-2, why are some 1099? The 1099 was basically how we started. Basically, that was the best way and the most efficient way when we go into a new market. The reason for the W-2 is because I have enough properties that are close enough together that I can use a W-2 employee. Okay. The other benefit of the W-2 is I can control the consistency and the training program more. With the subcontractor, I can't really control the training program because it's really on their time. And yeah. so they have a lot more power in that relationship than my W-2 does. Got it. Got it. So the way that's great, we don't have any W-2s, but the way we solve for that is we try to just be a huge part of the business for our contractors. So it's a little bit like W-2 slash 1099. It's a little bit of hybrid, but it's always the cost of workers comp, like all, all that stuff that, that you have to think about when you bring up full-time employees. How about your, how many VAs do you have? We Actually, sorry, before, before I ask, sorry, before, how many, so you have 65 properties. Are they all in Dallas? Dallas no, they're actually spread out pretty far. So we have, of course, we have Dallas. We have one outside of Austin, one at San Antonio, one in New Brunfels. We have one in Galveston. We have multiple in Houston, Livingston. So we're well in the, what we call the Texas Triangle, Houston, Austin, Dallas. We're all over the place. You um, okay. So it's a little bit harder to have a set W-2 for that. But that's where you also have to have a good 1099 program with your subcontractors. And so this is where we also issue statement of work, basically contracts with these guys. So that way they understand what they're getting in and we both have a defined process. So it's not something where they come to us or we come to them and we say, hey, we want to get you as one of our preferred vendors, but we have to agree to these things. And this is what we're looking for. And here's why. And if they're agreeing with that, most of the time we're good to go. But cool. We've had a few. Very cool. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. And the more iteration, and you've created this great training program. Sorry, and I'm sorry I cut you off on the VA side. How many VAs do you have? So we currently have seven VAs, seven. and they're all divided up into different departments. So okay. we have our customer service department. We have currently four VAs assigned to that. We have currently two VAs that are assigned um, to our vendor support. So that's a complete department inside of our company because I believe that in order to support my subcontractors and even my internal housekeepers, they need designated people who do nothing but that. And that's where I think a lot of our contractors would probably agree that we probably have the best communication because my people are reaching out on day changes and they're not sitting there like having to check the app or whatever. They're getting emails, they're getting phone calls. We're letting them know. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. And then there's one more VA. What does the other VA do? Marketing. Marketing. So I have the actual 100% dedicated VA to marketing. What is your marketing VA? We don't have that. What is your marketing VA? I'm curious. Yeah. So my marketing VA is helping with all of our listings. So optimizing, making sure that the photos are staying consistent, that are themed the same, color grading, those type of things. Content, helping me with the content, making sure my content staying on point and updated. Monitoring our social medias that we have for the properties and also broadcasting out 
different types of paid ads, organic ads, utilizing the different groups. So that way it's more effective versus probably the two of you, Michael, you and Liz are probably having it at first. We are doing everything. And as you probably know, that's a lot. And marketing by itself is its own department, its own animal. And I actually just recently moved one of my VAs into back into the marketing to do creatives to really help him excel. Got it. Got it. No, that's great. That's great. Actually, I'm curious. We have five VAs. We're probably overstaffed, but on purpose, just because I don't want to be the customer service person at all. So we just got to overstaff a little bit. I'm actually curious on your side. Like, who handles the owners? Who does owner relations? So all of my VAs have the opportunity to answer owners, but okay. my owners actually have the ability to talk to even my VAs. I give them full access. So that way there's, it's two way communication. And so that way the owner never feels like, oh, I need to reach out to Cody and then say I'm sick or something and not available. My VA team can actually step in, whether it's customer service, whether it might be sales, whether it might be marketing, whether it might be vendor questions, they can step in and answer that question a lot faster. And that way the client feels like number one, they're being heard. And number yeah. two, we're being responsive to what their needs are. Very cool. That's great. That's not something that I hear often. So it's really cool that you've like been able to cross train your VAs to, to do it. And for everyone's benefit, VA, it's an acronym for virtual assistant, which is kind of a misnomer. They're real. They're not virtual. They're real people. They just sit overseas. And if you find yeah. great folks to work with overseas, you'll be surprised at the level of quality you're get, you'll get. There's a lot of great people that can really help scale your business. So even if you have just one or two properties after you kind of learn the business and obviously, you know, your property is being profitable enough, I highly recommend getting an assistant to help you. It really is a game changer on your quality of life. <laughs> These guys are highly educated most of the time, sometimes more educated than people here in the U S and it is amazing their abilities and they're so willing to learn. So you can quite literally train them on anything. Yeah, and it's just having a good attitude, a good, good work ethic. They all they show up and have a good attitude, which is not always the case, especially here. Last question on 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 ops, your tech stack. To walk us through your tech stack, what do you? What's your yeah. famous? I'll give you my two parallel systems. So I have redundancies. The engineer in me. Okay. <laughs> so I originally, when we started, we had hospitable. So we still have hospitable today. We also still have easy care. Then we tacked on Slack to communicate amongst the properties and keep it more contained. We also utilize Trello for project management per property. So this way we keep all the tasks in front of us and moving forward. So nothing gets through the cracks because if you just rely on Slack, you will drop the ball on multiple totally. items. And then from there we have, of course, we use Ring Central for our VAs to be able to phone call here in the US. Okay. Ring Central does have a text messaging service. We don't really use it, we could, but I like the professionalism of a phone call. It just feels more professional when leaving voicemails or sending an email, just it sends a better professionalism versus a text message. Okay. Everyone's a little bit different. Everyone has a different flow on that. Now, then from there, we also use, or was that? so we have Slack Trello, <laughs> sorry. Um, of course we have, we use multiple different AI tools for copywriting for my marketing team. Okay. Uh, so you, of course you have chat GPT, we have Jasper, we have Hero Post. if you're not familiar with it. No, it actually is a one-time fee. You can get the lifetime access and you can schedule all your posts against all the different platforms. Really great tool. Cool. Um, okay. Then 
For our actual PMS, it's more of a connection software. It's called Journey, J-U-R-N-Y. I've never heard of them. Okay. Yeah. So basically Journey has their own app as well. So quite literally, once you connect everything, they actually back in with Wheelhouse, Breezeway, Autohost, Superhog. So you get a whole suite of features through Journey. And the nice thing about it is it's all a set price per property or per listing. So it's really nice that we use the Journey MLS system. It's a great system for anybody that's looking for something like that. The other cool thing is with their app, if you're the guest is using the app, they can actually control the smart lock from their phone and the thermostat before they arrive at the property, which I think is pretty nifty. That's pretty um, nifty. Okay. It is kind of more of a gimmick in my opinion, but it's not needed. But that's also where we also, on the other end, with our other tech stack, we use remote lock. Remote lock is our connector for all of our slodge and codes, the August, the Yale locks. Yep. And then, of course, you can actually back in that to hospitable. And again, it programs all your guest codes automatically. So one less thing your team is having to think about. What connects you to the different? Are you on what OTAs are you on? So we, we're on Airbnb, VRBO and Booking.com. Got it. Got it. And it's, it's like super important to be on as many different platforms as possible. I cannot just rely on Airbnb. As right. Airbnb was down for a couple hours today. Today yeah. is March 4th, sorry, May 4th, 2023. So it can go down and yep. sometimes it can go down longer than you think. Yep. And if that is your only tool to bring in business, then it's just a lot of risk that you put on. Okay. So as we kind of wind down the conversation, what are some things that, maybe some key learnings that you pulled from any other key learnings that you pulled from really right-sizing the business and, get, and then putting it on the path for kind of more profitable, sustainable growth? Sure. I think the biggest key that I would tell your listeners to, Michael, is really define not only your guest journey, but also your client's journey, like through the onboarding process, through your guest check-in, really understand that because then you can define your processes. I call it my whiteboard method. And this is where the systems and the processes come in is don't go out there and just get a PMS software, really define your processes first. And you can use a whiteboard with some sticky notes and map it out first and then find the tech that matches your processes. And so it's reverse where most tech forces you into their processes. But if you can actually find the tech that actually works to yours, you're going to be that much more successful. So that was one of the big things for us learning early on was because I had piecemealed all of our tech together and not gone and got a PMS right away. We really learned, hey, we need the PMS to do X, Y, and Z. Yep. And when it didn't achieve those things, we knew, hey, this isn't going to work for us. Very cool. That, I very much agree. No, the tech is there to support you. Like, it shouldn't be in the driver's seat. And for us, we use, so we use Hostaway as our PMS system. We've been using it since 2019. And like, for us, it's optimizing for a few things. But for us, most importantly, just... Being on Expedia, uh, since we operate in Philadelphia, we just really wanted to be on, get that OTA on board because it's such an important distribution platform. And then some, a lot of the, some of the invoicing stuff on there that was important to us, but that was how we looked at it too. It was like, okay, we know what we really need to fix. So we went out and looked for technology that allowed us to do that when we moved to PMS and we haven't had to do it for three years. For everyone out there, this is a, this picking your tech stack, particularly your PMS system is critical because it's like open heart surgery if you have to change it over again and it's just not it's it's a very cumbersome expensive mind mind-numbing task yeah you know, and it's the reason why i even have a redundancy on our tech because we have jumped pmss in the past 
and my original piecemeal tech software that we pieced together is still in operations because it works yeah. for us. And that's where obviously we're working with journey now and we're getting more excited about that because we're also tracking reviews through there, which is really great. But all of this, your tech should really complement your operations. It shouldn't drive your operations. Totally. Absolutely. To my final closing question, which I ask all my guests, the business is a team sport and we wouldn't be where we are without help along the way. What's one of the kindest things that someone's done for you along this journey for you? Really, there's a company out there that really took the time to open up their backend office for me and show me how they more or less onboarded a property. That was absolutely a game changer for us because it got me thinking differently to where today, where we have a fairly solid operations team. And that wouldn't have happened had they not shown me like, how do they, and they do more rental arbitrage as well. And they showed me theirs, which was a completely different marketplace for us with single family homes. But it was amazing because I was able to correlate. Oh, I understand why you guys do this. For me, I actually have to go this direction for this to be successful for my clients. Finding the right people, like just finding great people to work with, especially short-term rentals, still really new space. Like the more people, the better network you have. You see how people do things. You're like, oh, this is just our conversation today on the maintenance stuff. It's okay, like you've given me more food for thought and I've been doing this for a long time. So you know, always open, being open-minded, having a good network, talking to people, being open with your problems and you might not find a direct solution, but get you one step closer to that ultimate goal of good revenue, a lot of five-star reviews and yeah. less overhead. Cody, thanks you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for having me, Michael. I appreciate being here. Thanks, man. Oh, this is great. Let me pause this now.